0: Hello and welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. I am so excited to reintroduce to you my friend and colleague, Dave Keenest. He has been coaching the lives of individuals and business owners for almost 13 years. His clientele is made up of salt of the earth types of folks who are committed to living their lives on purpose. He just published his first book titled Undercover Angel, an addiction memoir dealing with the pain of childhood and the agony of addiction, along with carrying a a message of hope for the reader. You guys, you met Dave. You may have met Dave way back in the beginning of the Hearts Unleashed podcast. I think you're in the first 10 episodes, Dave. Um, I'm really excited about coming back full circle because you're somewhere in the 350 range now. And so I think I'll, I'll be adding your uh, older episode to the bottom of the show notes so that people can sort of backtrack and listen. You know, we talked about addiction then too a little bit, but um, I would love for you to just sort of reintroduce yourself where you're at in your life now, where you're at, what's going on in your world.
1: Well, um, thanks for having me back. Really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, life is life is good. I, I think if the first interview you and I did was 2017 or 2018, I think 2018, but that was, um, yeah, a lot has changed since then. A lot has stayed the same. I still live in Southern California. It's, in a lot of ways, surf and surf and sun. Um, but um, in a lot of ways, you know, we're constantly maturing. We're constantly growing up. And and so just even looking back at who I, you know, who I was then, it's a different. It's just a different person now. And and yet yeah, still the same. You know, it's like we change so much, but we stay exactly the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. There, that core part of us. Just, you know, to ask specifically if you could identify what has shifted since 2018.
1: Uh, I mean, it's just an, an, a, a continuing, I think, emotional maturity, um, a, a continued uh, ontological fine tuning. So just kind of getting clear regarding, um, you know, the way that I'm being in the in the world, you know, ontology being the study of being or the exploration of being. Um, and so... Uh, just a lot more uh, emotional sobriety. There are still certainly flare-ups. Um, there's still the human part. I wouldn't want anything... I, I wouldn't want it any other way, to be quite honest. But yeah, it's just a continued... Uh, the continued evolution business, very steady. Currently, it has been for quite some time. And that that's always an indication of... Those external results are always in uh, a reflection of internal landscapes. So... Yeah. Yeah, there's just a a lot that's a lot that's new. I'm not obsessed. I'm not as obsessed with you know surfing as I used to be. I used to really rely on it almost as a crutch. And um, if you know happiness contingent upon, so that's no longer the case um, at all. But there's still so much love and enjoyment in it. Still practicing a lot of yoga, particularly Kundalini yoga. Almost all Kundalini yoga. You know, running, hanging out, having fun. fun.
0: You know, I'm I'm just remembering cuz they may not know uh you also had a serious injury in that oh. time. I I'm just remembering now. I didn't know I would talk about it or ask you to talk about it. Are you interested in sharing about that experience? Yeah,
1: sure. absolutely. Please. Um yeah, so I mean I was I was riding my one wheel electric skateboard, you know, you can Google one wheel, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a big board on one wheel and um these things are death traps. I uh I I found out the hard way. I was riding on a, I don't want to go so far as to say a remote trail, but I was on a trail and I was far from my car by several miles, five, six miles minimum, probably about five five or six miles, Um, and uh, spotted a rock out of the corner of my eye and hit the rock, and as soon as I hit it, I knew something was bad, and then there was... The impact, and then there was the sound of the bones of my arm snapping into, it was a very loud, like if you were to hold a twig and then snap it over your knee, uh, it was that kind of a sound. And immediately followed by the thought, this is really bad, you could die out here, because my arm was immediately swollen, and so I, I was afraid that the bone had in perhaps hit an artery or a vein, and that I might be bleeding internally. And so I knew immediately I was in a survival situation, and That was followed by the associated thoughts with survival situation. You need to get out of here. You need to get out of here quick. Um, So I attempted to ride my board because I knew I, I knew it was survival. So I knew that the board went faster than walking. So I tried to get on the board. I stood up, almost passed out. I stood up again, got on the board, and managed to find my way back to the main trail from where I was at that point. Two men sort of magically appeared. And they um, they offered to help me, and so I let them help me. I was going to ride my I was going to ride my board all the way back to my car, which, as I said, was five six miles. So I was carrying my right arm in my left arm, and it was bent at forty five degree angle. It was sticking out down near my wrist just a little bit. Um, you know, so it was interesting because it just it demonstrates the kind of the power of the human spirit. You know, this is what's happening. This is what's in front of me. This is what I have to deal with. Um, I'm going to deal with it. And then sort of that willingness to do whatever I needed to do to get back to my car, um, the assistance showed up. But it really, it really for me, it got me present to uh, human suffering and what so many people in this world have to experience. It's almost as part of life. And there's not really any way to get around it. Um, agony, you know, there's no, there's no real way to get around or to prevent agony. Um but at the same time I was able to kind of connect with something greater than myself and then it all you know, it all worked out. They they called a helicopter and the helicopter oh my a, a truck drove to the helicopter spotted for the fire department. The fire and drove fire department drove and got me and then they drove me down to a waiting ambulance. It was a whole it was a whole thing. It was probably an hour before from the time the injury happened until I was in the ambulance yeah. it was probably an hour. Yeah. And then I went into surgery, and yeah, so I have plates and pins, but I just got a clean bill of health.
0: That's amazing. Um, I, I wanted to jump in there because you—I just you—you you dropped a gem that was worth kind of highlighting too. Is that we can't prevent human suffering, and I think a lot of people listen to podcasts like this or read personal professional development books or go through programs and sign up with coaches or therapists to like, to prevent human suffering or to make their way out of it. And that you as someone who's been coaching for 13 years, you know, you've then um you you take the work seriously you do as much as you can to stay emotionally sober and and physically or you know substance sober and all those things that you fall off a one wheel and here you are on a new human suffering journey <laughs> and i i remember following along online you were, you shared quite a few insights that this was one of the just most you know one of the the most powerful teaching Experiences of your life that to navigate this ex- the the break.
1: Yeah, I mean it really was. I mean it was just a testament to. I mean life can change in a millisecond. You know, one this is one of my favorite things to do. I have I really can't even get back on this thing. I, the thing. It's it's I I'm reliving that the the exact moment the the snap moment. Um, and I but I I love to ride this thing and and literally I mean one second one second life is this way one second life is this new way and i um this completely different way and i think to deny that you know to deny to deny that is a is a bypass um because you never know what can be inflicted upon you in an instant and it, i i would like i would like to you know it's almost like you have to prepare for it but it's like you can't you can prepare to a certain degree yeah but you can't prevent you know and i, I tell everybody I as i was wearing full motorcycle armor I was wearing, uh, knee, you know, big knee pads, elbow pads, wrist guards, a helmet, and then a shell, you know, a motorcycle shell and and still, you yeah. know, so you just, you can prepare, but you can't prevent.
0: Yeah, yeah. And hence why a large amount of the population lives in crippling anxiety. I, I'm just throwing that out there because I relate to that as the people, like when we want to pre- be able to prevent or foresee that millisecond, like it's just not, you'd need to live in a bubble to feel safe in that case.
1: Yeah, you know, I can't agree more. And it's, could, couldn't agree more. And there's, you know, suffering is just part of this experience. So to try to prevent it is futile. And yeah. but the thing that I discovered is that like, you can deal with it. Like, yeah. it happened, you can, I could deal with it.
0: Yeah, and that I, I'm, I venture to say the energy it takes to deal with it is far less and less frequent or like less elongated than the energy we we might apply to try to prevent it or again foresee it. So we're draining our ever so valuable attention and focus on like threat or avoiding threat or avoiding pain or avoiding suffering when really if we just live that emotionally free life of enjoyment and something happens, okay, now we get to just sort of be with it.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: I love that. I thanks for entertaining my desire to talk about that.
1: <laughs> don't worry. I'll talk about it all day long. It's a it's fun. It's a fun story. It was the kind of thing like as it was happening, I was like, this is gonna be a really good story if I don't die. <laughs> yep. You know I,
0: I find myself saying that in tough times. I'm like, I can't wait to, you know, figure out what I figure out from this or like I can't wait to see what I learned in this lesson. So very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um and I would I would love to sort of give you free reign to talk about your book for a minute and, um, ask you more questions about it, but tell us about Undercover Angel. Um, I, I kind of want to hear how it was born or what the inspiration was, but I have about a million questions. So I'm going to try to pace myself.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was in rehab, my second time in rehab, you know, in 2007 and, um, I, I had a uh, horrific battle with addiction, pr- primarily with heroin, but alcohol also. Um, and I had been to rehab once in 2006. Um, if you read the book, the the first chapter it's me coming to in Japan and not really knowing how I got there. I quickly remembered, but that's that was part of it. The, the story itself is pretty extreme. It's you know marginally pornographic in the in a metaphorical sense. And so the second time I was in rehab, I had this very profound white light burning bush experience about, I want to say about 40 days in. And from there, you know, I became, I became reborn. And there are, there are many stories throughout history of, um, I mean, that was how the recovery programs were, they came about, the anonymous programs came about as a result of this sort of conversion type of experience that happened um, in 1935 to this person named Bill W., so I started writing little, I was, you know, I was bored. I, I didn't have anything, you know, there's no, this was actually even before, this was before phones, but it really was. There wasn't any um, like Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. I think now they kind of let them have phones in there. I could be wrong. But so I just started writing stories down um, in in pencil, like on napkins, where, wherever I could. And, and then there was this guy, this guy Rudy, who I talk about. He's in the end of the book. He's in the He's one of the characters at the end of the book, um, towards the end of the book. And, and he said, you should really be a writer. You should really be a writer. You should re- really be a writer. Rudy actually died um, several years ago, deed. Um But yeah, so that, and then I got out of, I got out of treatment and I just kept writing. It was, it was actually MySpace back then. And so I started just typing up these blogs and I would write these blogs and I just kept writing and writing and writing. And then um, it just, turned into an inspiration to write a book. And then that took, that ended up taking, I don't know, 10 or 11, 12 years, something like that. Um, But but yeah, so that was kind of the inspiration, like tell the story. Um, And then when I started exploring the inner child stuff about, this is about, right, about seven years ago, that was when I got the glue to kind of, so it was really just a bunch of stories that I had written that were very um. again, like g- very, very graphic, very crude, very, as I said earlier, pornographic, um, very gnarly, very raw. But when I discovered this kind of inner child woundedness component, then it, it provided the glue to kind of show, well, this is where this came from, sort of. You know, there's no way of proving. Like this, it all feels like destiny to me at this point. But, but it, this all, there's a relationship between our woundedness and these early childhood experiences and the trauma we we are that is inflicted upon us and then these decisions we make to numb that which is what in addiction is is it's you're know, you're searching for something to make the moment safe the moment is unsafe i and then you know you're 13 14 15 16 whatever i didn't start doing drugs very early i think i was 16 when i started really smoking pot um ser- seriously but it was just a, it was an antidote just, oh, oh, now I don't feel that way. That way was terrified of life, but I'm, I'm only 15 or 16 years old. I don't realize I'm terrified of life. I don't have language to describe this, and I don't have anyone, a, a proper adult, to help to facilitate this, and that's no one's fault. I cannot emphasize that enough. That's no one's fault. It's just the way it is, and so then these drugs, they're like a blanket um and then you know when it gets into LSD there's a whole section on LSD LSD basically took this crazy little internal world that i had developed growing up and it colored it and fractaled it and made sights and sounds and you know all kinds of other things so now that's the you know the term the psychological term is schizoid so i had this kind of like schizoid uh schizoid would be sort of like the the um, not-so-good counterpart to introversion. I'm introverted, I'm an introverted human being, but when you're schizoid, you're like, it's all inside, but it's also kind of crazy, and it's also kind of paranoid, so you introduce powerful, powerful, powerful psychedelic substances that no child has any business touching, and then that world, that schizoid world, becomes very demented, you know, and then there's a whole section on the Grateful Dead, and the Grateful Dead are playing this music that caters to that, compliments that and so all of a sudden there's this little world I'm living in as a teenager that I don't again don't realize I stepped into there were no gu- there were no guides there was no one to facilitate the process of that was that was happening and then there were you know these other people who I was friends with we were all on this sort of journey together this trip so to speak together and then you know from there it just it just led one to the next to the next it was just a downhill progression for the next 15 years
0: So thank you because you kind of took us to where it originated from, but you also took us to where it originated from. Uh, So twice over. Thank you. And what would you say? Because there's a difference between preparing to write a book and really deciding to do so. When did you decide this was going to come together?
1: I just So I had this great coach in 2010, Hans Phillips, and he said, uh, 2013, 14, he said, been talking about the book and I had written, I had all these snippets in Google Docs and Word Docs all over the place. And he said, well, Dave, is it going to be now? Is it going to be later? Or is it going to be never? Which is it? You have to choose and empower that choice. And so at that time, it was later. So in 2014, whenever it was, I said, I'm going to write it later. And then later became now, and I want to say late 2021, um, mid, early 2022. And I think I reached out to you because it was starting to come together. And then you put me in touch with Pina Publishing and Val Irvine. And, but yeah, then it started to really, once it became now, I'm writing this now, then it started to glue itself together. It started to come together into a cohesive whole. You know, as like in the as a result of becoming committed, you say when you're committed, providence moves as soon as you become committed. And so the universe is kind of testing you to see what your commitment is. And as soon as I became fully committed, it just glued itself together into these, I, there's five or six main sections. It's divided into five major parts or six major parts. Can't recall. Um, but it, again, it just kind of magically glued itself together as soon as I decided in, like I said, 2022, early 2022.
0: Yeah, and I love that because obviously there's this building, and I don't want to take away from that. But ultimately, when you did decide, knowing in real time, it took two years to put together, right? Together, like that—that that it's coming together. Really, was that two-year portion of time? What did you experience? Like, what was the journey like from deciding? to holding that book baby. That's what I call them, book babies, because it's like giving birth, truly, at at least in my own experience. Um, So what was the journey like from the decision to the holding of your book?
1: Um, It was just, I wouldn't describe it as anything other than arduous. It's just, it's not, um, it's just not easy. It was just very hard. I don't, I don't, you know, sure, there's some things to feel along the way. Sure, there's some kind of reliving of it all. Sure, there's some perhaps trauma to be reintroduced to or to further process, but really it's just hard work. I I don't really know how else to describe it. Um, I think that writing is kind of, it's the writing and reading, it's almost like there's something eternally unchangeable about it. Um, There's something about a reader that is, you know, there will always be readers and there will always be human beings that want to read books in paperback or book format you know, they want to hold a book kind of like vinyl, you know, but, uh, music for me, I mean, I love music. I, I listen to music intensely every single day, but reading is gratifying because it, it requires you to engage yourself and music provides like instant pleasure. Whereas reading in, it requires yeah, yeah. you to really lean into something and, and same with writing. It requires you to really lean in. I don't find writing pleasurable. I like to, you know, I play music a little bit, you know, I'm a somewhat of a musician playing music and writing music is pleasurable, whereas writing is much more challenging. So the the process, I, I wouldn't describe it as anything other than work.
0: <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, And what would you say to someone who like, like you has a book on their heart or just their, their life is a is a book is a story to be told for 10 plus years would you what would you say to somebody who is on the edge of consideration
1: well you just have to yeah i mean you just have to do it like there's there's nothing there there there, there comes a point where you just have to do it and it's um that decision in, in a, and it, it's a big decision you know it's a big decision to actually do it and then it's like okay well this is real you know this this whole it's this entire process i mean i didn't realize how emotionally tumultuous releasing a book would be but i i'm still processing it it was incredibly i wouldn't uh describe it as anything other than traumatic it was traumatic to to put this thing out into the world this book baby as you call it um out into the world and it really is a giving birth type of a thing um so Just do it, set up a schedule in which you're showing up to write. I just, me and a colleague of mine and friend of mine, we just decided we're gonna write on Fridays from one until two. And so once that structure is in place, I'm reliable to show up inside of a structure. I'm reliable to be accountable. If someone's holding me accountable, I will show up. If they're really holding me accountable, um, so if you could find some sort of accountability structure, you know, it's a Zoom call with you and a couple of friends and you just get together and write for an hour a week or two hours once a week or whatever it is. That's enormously beneficial. It re- my book really started to take off a couple of years ago when I actually did put in accountability structure, like a little writing group. And you start to notice that like the thing just starts to kind of write. You just have these beautiful moments of like, that's my book. There's all this fluff, there's all this noodling, and then you're like, that's my book, you know? And then when you step in... I'm so...
0: Keep going. I'm so enjoying this.
1: I know know all too well. Keep going. Yeah, there are just these moments of, like, magic that you're like, that's it. That's what I want to write, and and someone will read that. Someone will, will be impacted by that. And so... Yeah, it's very self-absorbed. It's, you know, marginally narcissistic. You know, artists are kind of <laughs> narcissistic in nature in a lot of ways. There's this whole me, me, me thing. And I think to deny that is silly. Um, so there's you know, there's that whole you got to become self-absorbed. You, it You is all about you, you know, in so many ways. But then it turns into, I don't know, it turns into something else, you know. Like I was very honored that people had been moved by you know, as a result of, of reading it. Um, I so love that. that's kind of like the bonus, you know?
0: Yeah. I, um, I totally want to jam out for a second. Cause you said a few things that I, I was just sitting here. like, I'm reliving my own experiences and then I'm reliving all the experiences I've gotten to like facilitate with people's books. But, you know, there's all the noodling and this and that and like why you why you don't have time and why it doesn't fit your schedule and why it's difficult because it is difficult. It requires an incredible amount of discipline to do something that nobody is requiring of you. That nobody's begging right. you for the book to come out of you, right? Like it's just, it's a gift to the world. It's right. so, it's very um, extracurricular in nature, if you will. So there's no sense, of, no true sense of urgency. And my part of the coaching I do is like choose again because you might choose to write the book and then you have to choose every single time you sit down to write. It's not like this, you're on this magic carpet right now. Um, Even if, because like I personally, I really enjoy writing. It is very rewarding to me and I still have to have discipline to make time for it. Even after, you know, written three books for myself and six books for other people, like I know the pure like satisfaction and pleasure and reward of doing it. And I still have to like have myself sit down and write. (laughs) <laughs> and then, um you you just said so much brilliance in there um but that The accountability factor, it felt like a really cool time to say, like, I'm actually launching the sixth write your book in 60 days course. And that's a great form of eight weeks, 60 days of uh, accountability for people to be able to show up, write, talk about what they're experiencing, show up, write, talk about what they're experiencing and move through and continue to recommit. And even inside of, you know, there's been books that have been born from that, that program. And then in others or that others come and realize, what it actually takes like what it's going to require of them to to write a book and i i so appreciate your honesty around like it's difficult it is hard work it is emotionally tumultuous because people think oh i could do that i could do that like i think when we when anybody makes anything look easy we're like i could do that too and then you get into it and you're like i
1: yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, you looked like you were going
0: to add, so I was making room for you. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, it's just, um, you know, there was this woman, there's this author that I knew from the coffee shop I used to go to here in Encinitas, California. And this is probably 2017 or something. And I said to her, I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. I'm writing a book. Do you know any publishers? Do you know any agents? Do you know? And she And she said, nobody wants to read what you're writing. They want to read what you've written. And I was like, damn. Oh I you love know? that because the difference <laughs> the difference between writing a book and having written a book is it's vast. It very much is. You know, and 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 holding the thing in your hand is it's a trip. It's it's it is a freaking trip. And I think I haven't entirely processed it because I've been caught up in the world the sort of the emotional whirlwind of having released it and so yeah, you know, anyone could do it. I mean that's that's the thing. There are so many there are so many things that anyone could do. It's a matter of at some point it becomes okay, you're gonna talk about doing it, or you're gonna do it. You're gonna talk about doing it, or you're gonna do it. And there's <laughs> you know, Gary John Bishop, I don't know if you know Gary John Bishop, he's um, front of the room landmark uh, leader for years and years, and he wrote two very successful personal development books, Unfuck Yourself and Stop Doing That Shit. And the thing about him is if you follow him on Instagram or if you listen to the interviews. Um, he's this he's got this gnarly Scottish accent and um he just says like there's nothing special about me there's nothing about me I'm not that bright I'm not like I'm smart but I'm not like the smartest person in the room but he just emphasizes the the integrity piece like to do what you say you're going to do and and show up when you're gonna show up and and take the next step Action that will move you in the direction of fulfilling on your your de- your um your declarations or whatever it is your goal is that's it and he yeah. really he really dumbs it down and so he was always a voice in my head like with that Scottish accent you know you're gonna talk about doing it or you're gonna do it. And his books are great. They really move for me. It really inspired me and got me into action. His, his two books in particular. Um, but what I really appreciated about him is he emphasizes that I'm not special. There's nothing about me that is different from you. We're, we're entirely capable, you know, and I think that we all have so much more inside of us. This is a complete side note, but I got into these, this guy called Ninja Nerd on YouTube and he gives. Basically they're medical, they're graduate level medical school lectures. And in, in depth, he covered literally every single class you could imagine taking in medical school. They're just on YouTube. He's just explaining it, just like a professor at Harvard would. And I started watching them one day, and taking notes, and, and then this thought occurred to me, like you could have been a doctor. Like you actually could have, you are, you are understanding this. And if you're willing to, if you had been willing to invest 18 hours of studying a day for 10 years, you could have become a doctor. And so, so many of us have that this latent um, whatever the word is within us. We have powers but within us. Potential, not, yeah. Total, exactly, yeah. Latent potential, and that we're not aware that exists. And so, it's amazing to awaken those parts that that reside within that reside within us.
0: Yeah, I so appreciate what you're saying, and and it speaks into the other thing that you said. Like I'm not that special, and artists, creatives, anybody who's stepping into the the front of the room has to have a certain level of it is about me to just enough to be able to deliver, right? And I I love the idea of turning your pain into purpose, or your you know you're giving your it it is an act of service. You have to love yourself enough, prioritize yourself, you know, appreciate your story enough to want to tell it. And yet, we all have a story, we all went through experiences, we could all apply our potential to anything that we set set out to do. And it's I just I, I so appreciate that, because I think so many people struggle with whether it's the anxiety or some form of insecurity, it's really the wounding, right? Like we can go as far back and discover where it came from. But that we let our wounding create these limiting beliefs and insecurities that will stop us from just simply living out our potential. Our potential, I believe, is rather indiscriminate. (laughs) We can choose whatever we want. It's a matter of then applying our will, our integrity, sorting out what's in the way, so many layers of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there are people that are just super geniuses. You know, there are people that are creative geniuses. There are people who are musical geniuses, right? There are works of art out there that are nothing shy of the product of genius. However, the genius still showed up to do the work. The genius still applied him or herself over and over and over again. The genius still... Invested everything that their soul had within them to overcome, you know, little roadblocks within the thing that they were creating. You you have to work hard. There's no substitute for hard
0: work. I appreciate that. And uh, you know, as we're just jamming out, like so many books keep coming to mind because uh, Gay Hendricks in his book The Big Leap distinguishes the the zone of excellence and the zone oh. of genius, right? And I that I love that you said that because with genius it is inherent, and they're just they're just. You know, people who have this, it's a very natural flow, like excellence basketball but my friend uh, tatiana specifically she is a basketball genius yep. she just has this inherent flow and nature to it right so we see these people that it's like that is that is their gift and that is what they're here to do and they are doing it there's so many people who have a gift and then don't do it and it's like oh my god and then there's people who you know can excellence their way to anything and so I I just so appreciate it because I feel like um it just continues to tear down the barriers and walls towards like what people have on their heart like that you can go for it and it's going to require a lot of you you know what I mean like you're I think that you're a gifted writer I have enjoyed reading what you've sent about the book and I've only gotten to read bits and pieces of it so far but you are so intricate and intentional with your word selection and the the marriage of words the way you string them together that it's really um I don't know if the right like encapsulating, like that's the word I want to say, but it's like very in in embracing it. It draws you in gripping. Thank you. <laughs> I, you know, it's what's what's next, what happens and the way you storytell and, and the way there's a harmonic flow to the way that you write and that you're able to sit here and tell us like, it's hard, it's difficult. I have to have discipline. It's not always fun. It's not my favorite thing to do. And yet it produces a brilliant product.
1: Yeah. Thanks. It, it, it's, um, you know, my, my goal is to write, uh, hypnotically is the kind of word. And so, and, and the thing I like about the book is that, you know, we live in an ADD world currently. And so there's nothing, you don't, you don't ever have to invest too much of yourself into this book to get something out of it. And it so it just kind of flows from, there are only a couple of chapters that are more than two or three pages long. Um,
0: I dig that. The yeah. And so, so it really
1: just, what's that?
0: density, um, people being able to make their way through even inches at a time and still get the value.
1: Totally. And so my, um, you know, my, and then I'm always focused on the cadence on um, the way that one one word flows into the next into the next and then there's this artistic way to use punctuation there's artistic way to use italics there's an artistic way to use bold art- italics there's a there's just all these little there's ways that you can rearrange the, the words on the page and um so there's all different ways there's so many ways to make art out of um just words you know and so um i find that i i don't know i don't really i can't really describe it you know i stole I steal a lot of my writing style or borrow my writing style, you know, I got this from Steve Jobs, and he said that Picasso said, good artists borrow, I believe Picasso said this, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And so my favorite book, my favorite author of all time is Tim O'Brien, and he wrote a book called The Things They Carried, we wrote several books, but The Things They Carried, it's an absolute masterpiece about the Vietnam War. He has another one before that called If I Die in a Combat Zone and the way that he is able to pull the reader into the Vietnam War. It basically illustrates, show what that experience is like. And so that was, I borrowed so much of, that was my intention. I wanted to pull someone into the agony of addiction. And his Writing is superior to mine, um, but that's a you know I can that's a he's actually a goal that I'm striving to achieve. I want to get to his level because he just has he has this next level thing that he does, but he's more pro, meaning he shows up to write more, and so that's that's for me personally, that's really the missing link showing up.
0: I hear you on that. The more and
1: you me- show up, the more genius can be accessed
0: access practiced, right? Like there is something to say for practice for sure, right? Like we've talked about that inside of music too. And, um, but just showing up, like, I believe firmly particular, you know, part of my business philosophy is like the one who wins is the one who shows up the most and the most often and the most consistently and for the longest, right? So, um, that's my number one, like coaching is just show up over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And um I so appreciate it because I I can I can imagine the listeners here who have any project, especially a passion project on their heart that you're speaking directly into them. Uh something that came to mind as you were speaking in the moment, which I feel I would it would be a disservice to not ask like to anyone, what would you say to anyone at this point in their life who's struggling with addiction? Um, because I, I wanna make us a specific point, we may struggle and struggle with a specific addiction, and if we decide like for me, I'm three and a half years sober, uh, I might it might be more than that, I don't know, but um I didn't initially solve addiction by giving up alcohol and marijuana. I transferred addiction. I started working more. I got a new hyperfixation or a new way to fill you know, my wound or my void. And so I had to practice with the emotional sobriety, I had to become more intentional in the area of transmuting addiction, healing what I am using addiction for. And so I'm, I just, that is on my heart right now. And I would love to speak into our listening audience, like anyone who is currently, maybe even unconsciously transferring addiction. What would you say to anybody about sort of transmuting addiction.
1: Well, I mean it's uh you know I had a very severe addiction. uh severe 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 severe. And so the only I had no choice. um it was surrender or die. That was it. There's 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 absolutely no black or white to it. Um I believe it's a spirit it's it's a spiritual malady and it requires a spiritual solution. You know, there are the solution that I know that works is free. It's readily available in uh, you know, church basements and wherever. Uh they're all over. It's all over the world. Um, it doesn't cost a cent. It's a gift from the universe. Um, it requires a lot of work. Um, you know, the the anonymous programs are very effective, very effective. Um, and that's not something I'm seeking to get into an argument over or about or anything, but it requires one to, you know, they say, oh, there's all these cliches, like the only thing you have to change is everything, you know, and that's 100% the case. Um, You know, I will, I will say this, I, um, it's, I'm, it's in the book, but on my 33rd birthday, um, I was nine months sober and I was, uh, I had a, 10 months sober. Maybe I had, I was on a fel. I had, I was on felony probation in Cook County in Chicago. Um, it was my 33rd birthday and I rode my bicycle 17 miles in the rain and snow. One of those brutal spring days in Chicago to the courthouse for my 11th month of probation. You have to go in and you pee in a cup and see the judge and he looks at your chart or whatever. And, and then you leave and, uh, I was looking at the judge and I was covered in mud and I said, what are you doing here? You know, look, look at you, look at you. And I'm like, well, I rode my bicycle here, your honor. And he said, um, you're covered in mud. I said, I, I know your honor. And, and he said, and he looks at the, at, at my case and he goes, yeah. And it looks like you got here on time. And I was like, yes, I did your honor. You know, and he, I had a 24 month probation. This is my 11th month. It was my 33rd birthday. And he said, get out of here. We don't, I don't." We don't need you on probation. Like I don't. We don't need you in our system. We don't need you. You're clogging up the system. You're and he. You know, I'd seen. I'd done all the things. I'd gone to rehab. I had a letter from my, uh, you know, my helper, right, my person that helped me through the program. Um, and uh, he let me go. And so that's, you know, that that came as a result of unconditional surrender, you know, which required it was surrender is active. It's not passive. So that required, um. 13 days cold turkey detox with nothing to assist me, no medicine to make it more comfortable in a hundred degree, a hundred degree June Chicago heat in this gnarly government funded detox center and curling up in the fetal position and not sleeping for eight days or whatever it was and just doing it. And that we all have that, you know, I say in the book, like I access the warrior within. I, I mastered Sudoku's because that's all I could do. Stay up all night doing Sudoku's. I mastered Sudoku's. I read Dostoevsky. I cursed the hot nights, but I twisted them into my allies. And, and that was, that was what was required of me to get over this thing. And so what I learned from that, you know, back to the broken arm, well, oh, I've seen this before, just in a different form you know, and so we all have that warrior within. And so in order to, to transcend addiction or move beyond addiction, whatever it is, you have to access your warrior part. And when you access it, as soon as you access it, others will appear to help you. Yes, Guides appear as they follow the yellow brick road. Dorothy starts down the yellow brick road and then her helpers appear. Right. And so, um, in order to, anybody's capable of overcoming uh, whatever they're addicted to, their resources are readily available. However, the resources seem to exist in obscurity because not everybody's ready. If you're ready, you could go find a group of people that will help you uh, for basically anything that you can think of.
0: Yeah, truly.
1: And and so, but it it requires that readiness and it requires that willingness. So it comes back to like, there's nothing special about me. Like I just, chose i just one day it was actually june sixth, two 2007 i made a different choice that's all that happened and the results of making that choice were completely they could not coexist with the previous choices and so back to that guy gary john bishop i was talking about um who wrote those books uh, uh when you have a breakthrough a breakthrough way of being cannot coexist with a default way of being So all I did one day was choose a breakthrough. I'm going to choose a way of being that can't coexist with the way I've been living. And then a path very effortlessly presented itself to me, miraculously presented itself to me. And then there was a yellow brick road for me to follow.
0: I appreciate you sharing that because it's like the life you want is a decision away. You know, you, I love the way you posed it of surrender or die. And I just feel like it has to happen within, like you have to make that decision. I love the way you said access the warrior within, like that warrior spirit, that that resilient part of us that will choose something new and have it go different. And I'm always so present to people can't want it for us more than we want it for ourselves. We can have the, I love, I believe in like the mentors that show up right on time when the student is ready, the teacher appears, like however millions of ways people can say that all these different cliches to, that, that hold so much truth for the, for the journey, for the experience, but that it is upon us, like it is our responsibility to decide it's going to be different. Here forth, you know, and then to continue to show up inside of that and, and choose it and accept it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is. Like you said, it's one, it's a new life is one decision away. Um, it applies to so much. Like, um, I mean, and, you know, this morning, like I woke up and I didn't want to do my yoga and I did the yoga. That's the breakthrough way of being. You know, what I want to do is get on YouTube and see about the world and then make, come up with my litany of complaints that I will do very little to nothing about or. You know, do the yoga. I love it's, it. It's like bre- automatic. There's we all have automatic ways, and then we all have breakthrough ways. Automatic breakthrough. Automatic sit on the couch. Breakthrough. Go to the gym. It's not this stuff is not rocket science.
0: Right. Very, very, very simple. Yeah.
1: It's it's incredibly simple. I mean, recovery is a it's a very simple thing. Yeah. You know, it's this is what I'm used to doing. I'm going to do this instead. And if if I choose to do this instead, other people will help me. Yeah. That's it. Yes. Yeah. automatic and there's breakthrough. Automatic breakthrough, and it, again, yeah, like we said, it applies to anything. I mean, you know, even if you watch the Bulls documentary, it was on Netflix a few years ago, I think it's still on there, like Michael Jordan. Yeah, totally, I mean, Michael Jordan, he he had to work and work and work and work and work. He was not the guy he, he became early on. He was good, but he wasn't that good. He had to practice to become that good. Um, And then what happens is at some point it clicks.
0: And then again, you know, the reward you feel you experience the, the reward of those breakthroughs that it does like, I believe in momentum, you know what I mean? And it's still a breakthrough decision. It's still a breakthrough style of behavior or being to to choose something that's maybe rather uncomfortable, um, knowing that it's going to ha- lead to a life that you're you see in your mind's eye or that's been the vision that's on your heart and everything like that.
1: Yeah, I Agre- agree. I yeah.
0: agree. I couldn't agree more. And I think we could keep agreeing for hours, but we're going to wrap it up here. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, um this has been awesome. I would love to um ask you one more question though because your title Undercover Angel seems, you know, self-explanatory in its own way, or I'm sure that what I mean by that is that if everybody heard that, they could imagine what it means for them. What does Undercover Angel mean to you?
1: Well, it just you know it just means. I, I mean, I can see how some people would like if they re read the content, like Undercover Angel, really. But it, it it's about like there's a divinity within us. There's a great documentary called Finding Joe. Um, i you can you just go. I think it's the Finding Joe website. But the first thing that it talks about is that there's this statue of the Buddha. And it's covered in in crap. It's covered, it's been sitting there for thousands of years and it's covered in like moss and it's all overgrown. But if you chip away at what's covering it, there's this beautiful statue underneath. And so um, Undercover Angel, it's like we're all, and I try to make it, there are characters in, there's a chapter called The Undercover Angels in the book or Undercover Angels in the book. So I'm not like, it's suggesting that we're all kind of undercover angels in our own way. I'm not like I'm some special person, right? Um, but all of us have something Beautiful and divine that exists beneath this this the crap that like you know our childhood and our lineage and our ancestry and whatever we're like our karma right and and so if you chip away at that crap on the outside you get to the beautiful divinity the undercover angel that's on the inside and so it's about. What's the work that we have to do to act to, to reveal the undercover angel in all of us or the undercover Buddha in all of us or the undercover divinity within all of us? The Christ consciousness, if you want to get, you know, new agey. So, you know, we got to chip away at the exterior to get to the beautiful nuggets that exist within us. And so that's sort of what the meaning of the title is. And I did mean the title just came to me years ago. I didn't really, I wasn't even sure if it was the right title other than I was getting that it's the title. This is the title of your book. This is the title of your book.
0: I appreciate that piece too, because I want to say, I believe books name themselves and I believe books are written. I, you, I forgot to say that earlier when you were talking about the writing process is like a book is a book. You are a vessel you're letting a book come through you. You're not so much writing it. We we can master the craft, but um, I just so appreciated that you dropped that. And then it came full circle And this moment is like, just move out of the way. The book is trying to come through, let it come through. <laughs> and so thank you. And that we all have, we are all divine. We are all of a divine nature. And just move the the junk out of the way because we are all especially all an angel for some someone somewhere like especially when we decide to let our gift live through us so dave thank you for letting your gift live through you
1: so much for having appreciate
0: me. you thanks for being an under- undercover angel in, in my life and the lives of others likewise yeah um you guys it, oh, where can people find you where's the best what place for people to go
1: uh, you could just go to UndercoverAngelBook.com if you want to order it off Amazon. If you want to order from me directly, um, just go to UndercoverAngelAuthor at gmail.com and you can order it from me. Signed copy from me directly.
0: Love it. We as authors, we appreciate the direct purchases. I'll, I'll direct tell you that.
1: There's also a podcast on the website. I I, I need to. I have a bunch of episodes I still need to release, but there's 10 episodes there and each episode corresponds to a chapter in the book. I just needed a rest. Um, yeah releasing, releasing a, a ton more. So it yeah. talks about the behind the scenes stuff. And
0: yeah. what's beautiful about these episodes that I, I personally love is like, people will listen to these years from now. So I'm sure it'll be just sitting there waiting for them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. I needed a little break. <laughs>
0: beautiful. Um, and I just, I want to acknowledge your book journey. Congratulations on your new book, baby. <laughs> it's a beautiful gift. And I know that you'll be sharing it more and more with the world. So um, I'm glad to have you here and hearts oh my goodness, I hope you got exactly what you needed from today's conversation. I hope that you feel inspired. I hope you feel seen. I hope you feel heard. I hope you feel supported. I hope you feel inspired. And I encourage you to continue, you know, grab but Dave's book, grab any of my books, continue tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast. He has a few podcasts out in the world. So go tune into any of his. And uh, But mostly, maybe it's time for you to be producing your content. Maybe it's time for you to be sharing your story and get it to paper, get it to the keep, get your fingers on a keyboard or, you know, turn the mic on or get to a meeting or sit down with a friend and start to have the conversation. Because at the Hearts Unleashed podcast, everything we do is to help you shift from dreaming to doing. And this, I just feel like that's what this conversation was about. It's not the book you're writing, it's the book you've written, right? And so, Dave, thank you for all of your insights. And listeners, thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we We are turning dreamers into doers. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.